From Miami Law, I'm Annette Uges, and this is The Explainer. This kick case is a predecessor to uh, what may in the future be a case against Facebook if and when it does release a Libra coin. Welcome to Season 3 of The Explainer, the legal affairs podcast where Miami law experts lend context and historical relevance to today's headlines. Kick Interactive, a Canadian social media startup, is poised to challenge Washington's meddling in the cryptocurrency industry. Kick argues that its digital tokens are currency. The SEC says they are an unregistered security. Weighing in on the kerfuffle is Dan Ravitcher, director of the startup Practicum and resident entrepreneur expert, who came to Miami Law from a career advising startups from the dot-com boom. Let's go to executive producer Catherine Skip with the interview. Good morning, Dan. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Happy to be here. Um, So in the intro, we talked a little about um, this case of Kick Interactive. Um, What's the case all about? Right. So this is a case in which the court is being asked to determine whether or not a digital asset offered by a company is a security and thus regulated by the securities laws. Uh, Kick argues that their digital asset called KIN is not a security, is a currency. And the SEC argues that the digital asset is a security. And we have a Supreme Court case, it's about 75 years old, called the Howey case, in which the definition of security was created by the Supreme Court as any investment contract. So it's not just stock or bonds, but any investment contract, any contract for an investment in which one person is giving money or something else of consideration with the hope of making profit based on the efforts of others and how that definition gets uh, played out in the courts is through a very fact-specific, circumstance-dependent analysis. So cases like this are not hard and fast rules like a speed limit where it's very easy to know if someone's breaking the speed limit or not. Uh, This is more of like a reasonable doubt kind of standard in criminal law where it's hard to know if somebody's been proven of a crime beyond a reasonable doubt or not. Um, We've seen this a lot where we're trying to apply very old law to very modern technology. This seems like a similar kind of case where the law hasn't gotten to where technology is. That's right. And one of our goals in the legal system is to create rules that can be applied in the future, that we don't want to create rules that are dependent upon the state of affairs at that particular time. That's why sometimes you'll see generic or broad language used, like with the Howey case, which happened to be about um, uh, orange trees, land, plots of land that contained lots of orange trees. And now we're talking about digital assets, which some people argue are... Uh, not did, orange trees. Right, not orange trees. Although... Uh, the SEC in this case actually argues that the Kin um, digital asset that was sold by Kick is in fact exactly like an orange tree, and that you hope the Kin will, through the efforts of others, produce more value. 
And just like the orange trees, you hope through the efforts of others will produce more oranges. So it's actually pretty funny that the SEC argues, which most lawyers usually do, is that the facts of this case 70 some years later are exactly the same or on all fours with the previous case. Um, so having said that, there have been efforts in Congress and uh, uh, the chairman of the SEC had to respond to a request from Congress to provide information about how the SEC was regulating digital assets. And so there is uh, curiosity, at least, from members of uh, Congress, especially in light of Facebook's announcement of its intention to develop a Libra coin. And in my opinion, this kick case is a predecessor to uh, what may in the future be a case against Facebook if and when it does release a Libra coin. Uh, because the motivations here, which Kick wanted to release a token or a coin called Kin that it wanted to encourage other people to use as well. So uh, to make an analogy, if I go to Starbucks, I use my app, I get some Starbucks points. If I go to Chipotle and I buy a burrito bowl, I get some Chipotle points. Well, part of the problem with those systems is I can only use my Starbucks points at Starbucks. I can only use my Chipotle points at Chipotle. I can only use my AMC movie points at AMC movies. Wouldn't it make us all better if there was one kind of point that whether I went to Starbucks or Chipotle or the movies, I got some points and then I could use it at any of the others. Like, shouldn't those companies all get together and agree to make their rewards program um, ubiquitous? Well, that's what Kick tried to do here. They had implemented a rewards program where you could get rewards for spending time on its messaging app. Um, but then you could only use it on the messaging app. So it limited both usage and earning of the, the points and, and then the redemption of those points. And Kick said, what would be better if we created a new type of digital asset that people could earn on Kick and also any other platform? And Kick uh, released software to allow other people to develop their own apps, their own uh, programs, which people could also earn Kin. And that's part of their argument as to why they're not a security, because these kin tokens can be used on many other platforms that Kick has nothing to do with or doesn't even foresee. Uh, the SEC argues that the development of that capability was a last-minute Hail Mary pass by Kick to cover up the fact that they had made a securities offering and said, well, you're just trying to argue that that was your intent. And so the SEC went back and found emails saying, well, we're going to come up with this digital currency and offer it because we're desperate for money because we're going out of business. And it was a Hail Mary pass to make money for the company. So a lot of this current case is going to come down to what was Kick's intention when it offered the Kin token. Was its intention really to create a kind of uh, valuable uh, currency that could be used on multiple different applications? Or was their intention just to bring in a bunch of money uh, from people and then use that money to benefit its own business. Um, you know, one of the bad facts here for Kik is that the value of the kin has dropped by 50% since they did the offering in 2017. So all those people who bought kin back then, and there was, I believe, over 10,000 people, more than half of whom were Americans, that bought kin, they raised over $100 million, more than half that money's gone. And so these people now don't have anything. And, and that it's cyberly gone. It's not like they spent it in all their different at Starbucks who then accepted Kin. No, right. So Kick, the company, 
brought in a hundred million dollars. Mm-hmm. They gave out these kind of funny bucks that they called kin or, you know, Chuck E. Cheese dollars, whatever you want to call them, Starbucks points. Um, and there is a, an open market on which you can exchange these. That's one of the attributes of these assets is if you want to liquidate them for U.S. or any other currency, you can through various exchanges. Um, so the going market rate is now half of what they were when they originally issued. Mm-hmm. I think if that was not the case, the SEC wouldn't be concerned here. I mean, the SEC's mandate is to prevent fraudulent activity. And one of the hallmarks of a fraud is when people lose money. If a fraud causes you to gain money, I don't think the SEC cares, as long as that's a permanent feature and not a Ponzi scheme where you Mm -hmm. gain money in in the interim. So this case is fascinating. There is a lot of drama uh, that one would think is unique to this case and and unique to why uh, the SEC has brought it. Uh, You know, the SEC started with its crypto asset enforcement against the clear-cut absolute frauds, like the people who listed a coin, they sold those coins for either Bitcoin or Ethereum, and then they immediately liquidated the Bitcoin Ethereum in the US dollars or some other currency, and they were gone in the night. So the SEC went after those people initially. Uh, Then they uh, went after people for having initial coin offerings, like was done here, and most of those settled. Uh, which is how these cases usually happen. The SEC reaches out to you privately. It says, hey, we want to get some information about what you did. We think it might be a securities violation. And you usually have conversations with the SEC privately. And at the end of that conversation, you'll come to a settlement agreement. And then there will be a lawsuit filed against you. But uh, at the exact same moment, there will also be a settlement filed. So Mm -hmm. the lawsuit will be filed. And a settlement agreement will be filed in which you, the defendant or the accused, has agreed to do something, either give everybody their money back or pay some fine, et cetera. That's not what's happened here. There has been at least a year, two years of back and forth between the SEC and Kick Interactive where the SEC asked uh, for documents. They provided thousands and thousands of documents. They wanted to take uh, testimony of witnesses. They took the testimony, I believe, of like 20 witnesses. So this is like there's already been a lawsuit mm-hmm. between Kick and the SEC, just not in court yet. Right. And at the end of that process, Kick was hopeful that they had convinced the SEC they had done nothing wrong. And the SEC wasn't convinced. Mm-hmm. And that's what precipitated the filing of this complaint. Mm-hmm. Um. Cases like this normally do settle or 50-50? The vast majority of the time, cases like this settle Mm -hmm. because the SEC uh, staff that does the investigation have to make a recommendation to the commissioner. So Mm -hmm. the case will only proceed if the staff has developed enough of a case with enough evidence that they can convince the commissioners to, uh, to go forward with filing it, um, or the commissioner. So the, uh, but Most Kit could it, say, we don't agree, we want to go forward, or that would not never happen. Well, if we take a step back and think rationally, when only money is at stake and two people disagree, there's usually an overlap of agreement that they can come to a settlement. Mm-hmm. Because let's say we're talking $10 million was raised through an ICO. The, the $100 million raised in this case was a large amount. Let's say there's 5 or $10 million that was raised. And the SEC says, we think you did something wrong. Let's say the company still has, you know, uh, seven of those $10 million. And the SEC says, look, you can spend $5 million on lawyer fees for the next five years and have your business interrupted and be subject to all these other penalties. Or let's just resolve it. So most of the time, cooler heads will prevail. 
um, there is a price at which the SEC will take a settlement. Sometimes the SEC takes very low settlements. I've been shocked mm-hmm. that uh, how low the SEC will accept just to get a win and to not have to go to trial. But here uh, we seem to have a, um, uh, a, a, a defendant here, Kick Interactive, that's really put its foot in the ground and says, no, we did nothing wrong and we are going to stand and we will defend ourselves because it's worth it to us. Now, that might be something they're doing on principle. It might be doing some, it might be something that the money at stake makes it worth the money to, you know, when you raise a hundred million dollars, spending a few million dollars to try to keep that hundred million dollars makes economic sense. So what are all the motivations for kick here? Yeah, I wouldn't say they're probably entirely altruistic, but there might be some altruism there. You know, we've had other people stand up to the SEC, Mark Cuban, refused to settle with the SEC when he was accused of securities fraud. Uh, of course, you know, Martha Stewart stood up to the SEC, but then was convicted <laughs> and had to go to jail. Um, Leon Cooperman. So there are some people who say, look, I'm just not willing to accept that. I've, I'm not willing to plead guilty and say I've done something wrong. And that's that's where we are here with the kick case. And there, one of their main supporters is Fred Wilson, who's a very well-known, very reputable venture capitalist. And I think he personally finds offense at being called, in essence, a criminal or someone mm-hmm. who's broke, who, someone who supports a company that's broken the law. That's something in Silicon Valley. They generally, uh, you know, take pains to avoid any accusation of unethical or improper conduct. Mm-hmm. Any writing on the wall as to who might come out on top? Well, what's interesting is um, the SEC so far is at least asking for a jury trial. And you would think even in Manhattan, where this case was filed, Uh, Asking for a jury, I mean, it's tough for law professors to even completely understand distributed ledger technology Mm -hmm. and what's a crypto asset and what's a crypto, you know, token versus a coin and et cetera to try to get, you know, 12 random Americans to understand it. So I think what the SEC's hope is, is if we can portray the the kick as a bad guys, and there are some really bad facts here. They found some emails where in one email, the, um, the, uh, the, the workers, the developers at Kick said, well, we're just doing this in order to make the lawyers happy. Uh, we're, we're, we're not really doing this for real. We just want to make money and this will make the lawyers happy to cover up what we're doing. Well, when you write an email like that, that's pretty, that's pretty bad. It, it, it's, it's one of those like traditional uh, bar exam questions where the lead into the question is, you know, Jane Doe is a really bad person and she really wants to do something really bad and she sees an umbrella and she's sure it's her enemy's umbrella and she takes the umbrella. Is she guilty of theft if it really is her own umbrella? Like, you know, they, they're trying to lead you to say that they're, they've done something wrong, but the clear answer is no, she's done nothing wrong. Even right. though she had the intent to steal someone else's umbrella, she didn't actually steal it. Mm-hmm. Um, so in, in this case, that's what Kick has come back and said, look, you've misinterpreted what some people said. You know, there was another email where the investors in the company said, we're about to run out of money. We got it. We need a Hail Mary pass to save our company. Why don't we do uh, raise money through an initial coin offering? And the SEC says, see, that's, that's proof that they intended to defraud people. Mm-hmm. And so if the SEC can make this about intent and bad emails and characterize kick as bad guys who are trying to um, mislead people about their true intent, then they may have some success. I, I don't know if it'll get that far. Uh, the judge on this case is uh, 85-year-old Judge Hellerstein, who was appointed by Bill Clinton. He's a senior judge, so I don't think he's going to move this case very quickly. Um, I would be surprised but not shocked if an 85-year-old federal district judge who's been a district judge for 
20 years uh, is all hip and knowledgeable about distributed ledger technology, but maybe he has a clerk uh, that knows, and so they will get into this. Um, I think on the merits, Kick has some strong arguments um, that they uh, were not doing, the, they were not offering this kin token in order to uh, encourage people to hold on to it with the hopes that it will go up in value. Mm-hmm. I think the purpose of the kin token really was say, you can use this to get a free coffee at Starbucks. You can use this to get a free burrito at Chipotle. You can use this to get a free movie at AMC. Like, Kick actually wanted people to use the tokens and spend them. Mm-hmm. Kick didn't want people to buy and hold them. Mm-hmm. You know, or in the in the crypto community, we have this phrase called HODL, H-O-D-L, which was a misspelling of hold your crypto, don't sell it, right? So usually if you want, you know, the, the thing is don't sell your crypto because that causes the value to go down. But in this case, Kick actually wants people mm-hmm. to sell their crypto. So there's a lot of interesting facts. Uh, the burden is on the SEC to prove a violation. Um, and, you know, th- that's why cases like this are interesting to follow. Mm-hmm. They make uh, being a, a technology lawyer who's dealing with securities laws from the 1930s, right? We're, we're literally applying securities laws from the 1930s, the 1933 Securities Act, mm-hmm. to a digital asset offering in 2017. It, it's really pretty cool. So um, Ted Livingston, who came from BlackBerry fame, seems to have had a pretty interesting journey. Can you talk a little about that character? Yeah, you know, he. we have lots of fascinating people in the startup world who have lots of experience and uh, they like to take the big risks. And so I don't know. Elizabeth Holmes, our last (laughs) podcast with you. Right. So, you know, um, I think the fact that this is a Canadian company and he's a Canadian entrepreneur may have played into this. You know, if this was an American company, who knows if they'd be um, receiving so much pushback from the SEC. Um, We're going to build a techno wall there. Yeah. (laughs) And, and, you know, and, and what Ted really dislikes is the, um, the um, big tech monopolist. Ted Mm -hmm. hates Facebook, hates Google. He says they're, every time a new company comes up with a great idea, they just either buy them out or steal it. Right. So Mm -hmm. they either buy out Instagram or they steal Snapchat. Mm -hmm. Right. If Snapchat won't sell it. And Kick has been, I, I didn't check on it today, but it has been one of the most popular messaging apps. Mm-hmm. But if two or three of your friends aren't on Kick and everyone's on Facebook Messenger, everyone's on um, you know, some other messaging program that you have, are you going to use Kick? Right. So you know, I'm kind of pulling for Kick here just because I like competition. I don't like monopolists. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to say, hey, this is a way when you go use Facebook or Twitter, and you're giving your time and attention to those platforms, you're getting some benefit because you're receiving the information and social media stream that you want. But on other social media platforms, you could also be earning some token. You could be earning kin, Mm -hmm. right, or funny money. And so you can actually earn it. Or if you want to give up your privacy, another thing that Facebook... So if you want to allow Facebook to sell data about you to advertisers well, then Facebook should give you some funny money that mm-hmm. you can then use for free pizzas or, you know, uh, earphones, whatever you want to, that this would actually enable, empower users to enable them to receive more of the value that's being sucked out of them from these big tech companies. Hmm. So I, I always, he's the underdog, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a startup that's running out of money. 
taking on the government, taking on big tech. So despite things that he may have done in the past or, you know, I, I, I'm pulling for him. <laughs> um, anything you want to add? You know, um, th this, like I said, I, what I really think this is, is a precursor to Facebook. Um, and and so that, that when I'm looking at this case, I'm looking at how is this going to impact Libra coin that Facebook wants to come out with. The age of Aquarius. Right. The other thing is it's interesting that the SEC was getting a lot of pushback and heat from Congress and otherwise about, well, you just think everything's a security and you just want to regulate everything. And, and, and the pushback from the investment community has been, you're going to force, people can just go to Asia. They can go somewhere else and do this where they don't have to comply with these laws. Mm -hmm. So we're just going to push investment and innovation overseas. And so the SEC, I think, in a sign of hearing that, has now started this summer with the first approvals of registered ICOs. So mm -hmm. there had been a time where like, I actually registered domain name, is that ICO legal? And it went to a page that just said no, because there was no legal ICO. Every single ICO was illegal. Mm -hmm. um, but now the SEC is saying, you know, we have to prove that we're reasonable about this and we're not unreasonable. And so they're kind of coming in from the edge saying nothing's allowed. And they expect the coin offerers to come in from the edge that everything's allowed. And where we're going to find in this middle ground, uh, what is that middle ground will be defined by cases like KIC. Remind us what ICO stands for. An initial coin offering, right? So if I want to create a new coin for the first time, a Ravisher coin mm -hmm. or an, a Miami Law Explainer coin, mm -hmm. and that coin can be used to, you know, uh, get your name in the advertising for Miami Law Explainer or, you know, uh, a, a right to use the logo on your website or whatever. Um, if I want to offer that for the first time, uh, then I can offer that either to accredited investors under an exempted offering or to the general public, but then it has to be registered. Mm -hmm. And most people don't want to limit who can purchase their coin to only accredited investors. They want to offer it to the general public. And if it's considered a security, then it has to be registered. So this is why Bitcoin and Ethereum are the only two coins that are tokens or digital assets that the SEC says are not securities. Mm -hmm. They say they those are not securities because they're no longer if ever, under the control of a single third party. They're okay. so de decentralized mm -hmm. that they're not a security. They truly are a currency. Wow. Very cool. I well, think I understand it, and I'm not even a juror. <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us at The Explainer. If you like the show, leave us a five-star review with your podcast provider and ask your friends to subscribe. You can always drop us a comment at explainer at miami.edu. Our show is engineered and edited by Christopher Alzadi with theme music composed by Ray D. Kim from the Frost School of Music. I'm your host, Annette Uguez. Today's show was brought to you by Miami Law's International Arbitration Institute, striving for progress through the education of the new generation of arbitration lawyers and for groundbreaking research in global dispute resolution. For more information, visit law.miami.edu backslash arbitration.